Good morning. Okay, we are still on the journey of truth. And in this journey that we're on, there's, in my mind, it's, it's one of those things where we get reminded, or we should be continually reminded that it is the Word of God that makes the difference in our life. And it's the Word of God as the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, ministers that Word to us that our lives can be different and honoring and pleasing to Him. Now, I'm going to have to believe that because you're here, you want that, at least some of it, that you want something of God to be worked out in your life so that your life every day is an honor and a glory and a praise to Him. Now, if you don't, we're, we're going to pray the Holy Spirit will bring that to you so that you will, because it needs to be that holy desire that God has for us because he wants us as his kids to enjoy the life that we have. Now, when we say that, we also have to be reminded that in this life that God has given to us, there are some difficulties. There are trials. And if anybody has ever tried to sell you what I would call a bill of goods in Christianity, where we would say, Oh, if you accept Jesus and you live that life, everything is going to be perfect. You'll never face a difficulty. You'll never face a trial. You'll never face tragedy or trauma. That's just not the truth. The truth is, as sad as it is, it's those things that we encounter in life that really help us and grow us and mature us in our walk with Him. As I mentioned last week, something that I've recently discovered through a friend of mine, because I asked the question in our conversation, why is it that some people who know Christ, it's just like their life is like, you know, they're just on still calm waters all the time. And then there are others where, are you kidding me? How turbulent could life be? But it is. And his response to me was, I thought classic. He says, Steve, not everybody gets invited into those kind of lies. Now, he didn't explain that anymore. But in my mind, and I guess this was just me, I was thinking, I don't know that everybody can handle it. Because most of us, when we go through those extremely difficult times, we would say, Lord, if you'd given me an opt-out on this one, I would have opted out. But you didn't. And so now that I'm in it, please help me and show me how this is supposed to be done. And so the scripture today, and I went back and picked up the verse from last week. Because we're talking in James chapter 4 about who holds tomorrow. And you'll see how that comes out in just a moment. But this scripture from last week from 1 John four eighteen, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is made perfect in love. Now I'm bringing that back to us this week to remind us that in the scripture over 300 times we are told, fear not. The God who made us takes the time to put in his word over 300 times, fear not. Now, it's in different uh, vernacular, but it's the same thing. Don't be afraid, fear not. 
Why do you think he would take the time to do that? And again, it's back to where we started today. Because we're going to go through life and in our life that God has for us and God has given to us. And I love what my, my old guy, Jack Taylor, I found out uh, recently, Jack Taylor passed away last year. I didn't even know that. One of the guys that I listened to and read for years and years, still read his books and still listen to his uh, YouTube broadcast or YouTube um, archives. But he said, you know, God loves you. And because he loves you, life is going to come at you. And when life comes at you, it can often be difficult. And if you have not been that person yet, he loves you. He's coming. <laughs> and all of it comes back to as we leave, excuse me, as we go to the scripture in James in a moment, but all that comes back to what is our relationship with him? And how do we view life? Because as I said, life can have extreme, extreme difficulties. And for us to face that life and do it in such a way that brings glory and honor to him, that can only be done, it can only be done, I believe, truly in the power and the person and presence of the Holy Spirit as he makes the word of God come alive to us in our own personal experience day by day. Now, look at that verse again. There is no fear in love. The love we're talking about here is the love that God gives to us freely and abundantly. It's love that is not conditional. Most of us, sadly, are very conditional in our giving of love. In other words, I will love you if you will do this for me or whatever it is that I want done. I'll love you. Now, we may not say it that way, but... Sadly, that's the case. But this is the love, the perfect love that drives out fear. And again, fear needs to be driven out because the life in the world that we live in will bring fear and difficulty and trials because fear has with it punishment. It's the idea of the agony, the difficulty of going through some extreme situation and the agony of, of how our souls, our mind, our will, our emotions are so ripped and torn if you read Psalms, you read David, and David is often expressing that very same thing. And he goes through such torment, and he relates his feelings to God, and he tells God how bad things are. But if you read through the Psalms, you see that what he does is he comes to the place of saying, but oh my God, I know you're still God. I know you're still supreme. I know you have this. I know you're working this out. I know you're going to do this. I just want to do it to honor you. So in James chapter 4, which is where we are today. Now listen. This is verses 13 through 16. You who say today or tomorrow we will go do this or to this or that city. We'll spend a year there. We'll carry out business and we'll make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. Now, see, this is back to what is our life supposed to be? In 
a relationship with our holy, heavenly, loving Father. Who not only holds my life and my day, but he holds my future too. And I don't know what that is. Now, I can anticipate, I can suppose, I can imagine, but the truth is, I really don't know. He goes on to say, what is your life anyway? It is a mist that appears for a little while, and then it vanishes. No matter how long we live. A friend of mine, his mother passed away two weeks ago. She was 99 years old. That's a while. And it's just a mist because you have to put it in perspective of all eternity. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Again, what is he saying? We are so presumptuous. In thinking that we are our own God, that somehow we can control all of this. And James is bringing us back to the reality of saying, no, we don't. We do not know what tomorrow will bring. We do not know what is what all is going to occur in my lifetime as I live on this earth. As it is, you boast in your arrogance and your schemes, and all this boasting is evil. Now, see, that's all of us somehow thinking we're God. Now, you're saying, well, wait a minute, does that make us, we're just kind of over here in a piece of mush, and, and, and God just kind of pokes us when he wants to? Oh, no, it's, it's nothing like that at all. In fact, the very truth is that he so absolutely loves us. Had he not done so, he would not have given his son for us. But he's wanting us to understand the reality of how this life is to be lived. So that what? Our world can know. Our world can know that he is God and he is supreme. And I've read thousands of testimonies over the years of people's lives as they surrender to God and the things that God is taking them through. A number of years ago, Sheila and I were in a conference, and one of the speakers was one of the wives of the five missionaries who were killed in South America back in the 50s, I think it was. And she was just talking about how God had used her and her family and how their life had been used of God, even though she had lost her husband as he had served Christ in his kingdom on a foreign mission field in the effort to share the good news of Jesus Christ with people who did not know it and apparently didn't even want it. And then as time went forward, one of the ones who was part of the party of killing these five missionary men and the son of one of these missionaries came together as that man came to know Christ and they were part of evangelizing the tribe that these men had shed their blood for. There are things like that that in our mind, they don't make sense. That's one of the reasons I carry this in my Bible 
As you guys know, I really appreciate Oswald Chambers and my almost for his highest and have for decades. And so it just so happens that this one on faith that he wrote many, many years ago, and then, of course, his wife transcribed it and was put into uh, my almost for his highest, is actually on my birthday. And so this is, I'm going to read it to Steve. You can listen in if you want, okay? Without faith, it is impossible to please him, Hebrews 11.6. Faith, an active opposition to common sense, is mistaken as enthusiasm and narrow-mindedness. And common sense, in opposition to faith, demonstrates a mistaken reliance on reason as the basis for truth. The life of faith brings the two of these into the proper relationship. Common sense and faith are as different from each other as the natural life is from the spiritual. And as impulsiveness is from inspiration. Nothing that Jesus Christ ever said is common sense. But is revelation sense. And it is complete whereas common sense falls short. Yet faith must be tested and tried before it becomes the real, becomes real in your life. We know that all things work together for good for those who love him and those who are called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 28. So that no matter what happens, the transforming power of God's provision transforms perfect faith into reality. Faith always works in a personal way because the purpose of God is to see that perfect faith is made real in his children. In other words, God is so desperate for his kids to grow up. He is so desperate for us to know what it is to live in that personal, intimate relationship with him that whatever comes down the pike, we will know that our God is supreme and sovereign. And even though we may not understand it with our common sense, we can't reason or ration it out, but yet we still know that our God somehow is working and we can believe that God will use it and it will have even eternal value. For every detail of common sense in life, There's a truth that God has revealed by which we can prove it as our practical experience that we believe God is. Faith is a tremendously active principle that always puts Jesus Christ first. The life of faith says, Lord, you've said it. It appears to be irrational, but I'm going to step out boldly trusting in your word. For example, Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and then these things... Will be added unto you. The very things that you were seeking anyway, the very things you needed in life. But he, what he's saying is, let's get our priorities. Let's walk this out. Let's live this out in such a way that the very glory of God is revealed. Turning intellectual faith into our personal possession is always a fight, <laughs> not just sometimes. God brings us into particular circumstances to educate our faith because the nature of faith is to make the object of our faith very real to us. Until we know Jesus, God is merely a concept. And we can't have faith in him. But once we hear Jesus say, He who has seen me has seen the Father, John 14, 9, we immediately have something that is real. And our faith is limitless. Faith is the, is the entire person in the right relationship with God through the power 
of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Now, I know that's a lot, and that's a lot to take in. And I would encourage you to go online and get Oswald Chambers, my utmost, my utmost for his highest, and read that. But all the time, all that's going on is the Holy Spirit is working in our lives, and we're doing this life that God's called us to, and some of you have been called to tremendous, tremendous places of difficulty and trial and i know that i know that and and god is working in your life and he's blessing your life and he's showing you things that some of us will never see but also to realize that most of this is just everyday routine stuff and how does that work out in our lives every day and sheila and i were working on this um earlier think about just the routine, you know, just the routine of getting up every day and uh, taking care of your family, getting up every day and going to work, getting up every day and doing the laundry, doing the dishes, doing the things that need to be done, cutting the grass, whatever it is, doing those things. And there's, there's nothing really magnificent about that except for the fact that it should in our lives as we live them out for the glory of God demonstrate how we are so into him that even in the midst of that we will be sensitive to what he's saying we will be obedient to what he gives us as he reveals his word to us and how this walks out is amazing it really is and whether you know people are looking at your life or not they are people in our world today are desperate they are desperate in fact as we plan these activities if you missed the the great pumpkin party yesterday i hope you didn't we had a great time here just as families getting together doing some some different things um carving pumpkins and doing games just spending time together because what is happening in our world today but we're being pushed apart you know, we're, we're being told that the worst thing can happen is for us to contact, be in contact with another human being. Really? I don't know. The Bible seems to kind of give us a little different take on that and how we walk that out. And so all the time as God is working in our lives, it's, it's so often just that every day of doing the thing that God has for us to do. And, and so, and again, our conversation this morning Sheila gave me two people. She says, what about Anna and Simeon in Luke chapter 2? Now, these were two people in the New Testament who were there in the temple. And Anna particularly had given all her life after the death of her husband to serve in the temple, to pray and to fast and all the time, all the time, she was just believing God for what God was going to do. And then there's Simeon, who was, you know, one who served in the temple as well. And it, the scripture says that he was impressed by the Holy Spirit to go to the temple at a very specific time because the Christ child was showing up. And he did that. And he said, now having seen this, now having known that the promise of God is true, I can die. And Anna just blessed the child, blessed the couple. I mean, 
We all, if you're here and you know Jesus Christ, we have encountered the Christ. And we know him in an intimate, amazingly incredible way. And so now our life gets to be the life that reveals to our world, this is who he is and this is how he works. And when we look at our life every day, as the scripture tells us, we want to realize, by the way, if you, if you read this, notice the two things that are really prominent in it is time and money. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? That James, when he's talking to people about realizing their life and how brief it is, he's talking about their time and money. Because those are the two things that we seem to somehow think we have control over. Now, don't misunderstand me. We certainly do to some degree, obviously. But all the time and all the money that God has provided in our care is for what? For his glory, for his kingdom, for his honor. In fact, David in Psalms 39 talks about his life as he realizes where he is. And he says, God, now you got to listen carefully to this because my, my pronunciation has to be really exact. He said, God, my life is a hand breath. What he's talking about? In those days, their means of measurement was using their physical anatomy. And so they would measure something by the breadth of their hand across the palm, which would be from 2.5 to 4, 4 inches. They would measure things between the index finger and the thumb. They would measure from the elbow to the fingertip. That's why the word cubic is used in the Bible. It's approximately 18 inches. They would measure by the, their foot or their stride. And he's saying of all the measurements. As I think about it. God my life. And all the, all the measurement of the world. My life is this brief. It's just this much. Why would we not? Why would we not make sure that we knew that the brevity of our life was in his hands for him to do everything that he wanted to do? The Apostle Paul addresses this in 2 Corinthians 4.16. He says, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inner man is renewed day by day. I put this earth suit on 72 years ago yesterday. It's perishing. I know that it is. It has a shelf life in God's creation and God's order. And at his command, I will leave this body. And the spirit that he put in me at conception will return to him because I get to go back because of his son and his sacrifice for me. But he didn't do that just for Steve. Hallelujah. That'd be selfish, wouldn't it? He did that for every person. What's it say in John three sixteen? For whosoever will. He gave his life for every person who would be willing to see and receive what it is. Paul goes on in other scripture where he says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
That's why it's so imperative for us to know the Word of God. And we live in a world today where the Word of God is more available than it's ever been in the history of man. And we know it so little. We know it so little. And I am the first to tell you, I understand that I am blessed beyond measure. That I have the joy of being called by God to serve in his kingdom in such a way that I'm able to spend time in study and prayer and fasting and all the things that he has for me. And, and I am blessed to do that. But you need to very carefully know Even though you have not been called and allowed the privilege that I have, and I am, again, extremely grateful, eternally grateful for that. No, not one of us is without excuse that we do not know the Word of God. When I first came to know Jesus Christ as a sailor, working on ship with a lot of responsibility, the very first thing the Holy Spirit of God did, one of the very first things, because he did a lot. He had a lot to do in me. One of the very first things he did was give me a love for his word. And you've heard the story, the little Bible that was given to me from the little church, country church in Ohio when I left, graduated high school, and then left for the military a few months after that. That had been with me the whole time, and I had not bothered to read it. I didn't even know why I kept it with me, but because it was a gift, I guess I did. But when the moment that the Holy Spirit of God came in me, I had such a hunger for the Word of God. And I literally saw that Bible fall apart. Now, again, it was a, you know, what we would call a pew Bible. They're not really expensive, and I guess they don't use the best glue. I don't know. But it literally fell apart as I would read it. Just... Every opportunity, making opportunities, taking the time that I was doing other things and um, spending time in the Word. And God has continued to give me that incredible appetite that I'm so grateful for because that is the Spirit of God. And then the Hebrew writer brings us back to this very thing. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for but the evidence of things that haven't been seen yet. So see, as we walk out this life and we can't see tomorrow. How many of you in here can see tomorrow? How many can see? Like I say, we can speculate, we can assume and presume, but we really can't see tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if it's good. We don't know if it's bad. We don't know. But what we do know is that our Father God holds tomorrow. And so as he's talking to us through these verses, he is dealing with us. In fact, what does it say? If we think that we know what that's all about, really what we're doing is we're just being arrogant. We're being prideful. And the scripture we read previously last week was the fact that we come humbly before him. We res we're able to resist the enemy because we can humble ourselves before God. And then he takes care of the enemy. This work of God that he is doing, he says, we don't have a right to boast or be arrogant about this. 
Because this boasting, he says, is evil. It's, it's us. We don't, sometimes I don't think we even understand. It's us basically telling God, I'm going to do whatever it is that I want to do. I'm going to go where it is I want to go. I'm going to spend my time and my life as I desire. I'm going to spend my money wherever it is. I'm going to do that. Why? Because it really comes down to it's all about me and what I want. Rather than, God, it's all about you and what you want. And how you will work in my life, I don't even know. I don't know the things that he has for me in the future. I know the things that he's taken me through in the past. I know a number of those that I was very clear to tell him, Lord, uh, this is not what I want. And yet his loving hand kept me in those places. And I can look back now and see how much he has grown me and matured me in ways that I couldn't even begin to imagine. I maybe not have even desired, even though I've told him all along, I want to grow. I want to be uh, the man of God that he wants me to be. But all of this is us living this incredible life that God has for us and has given to us in his son, Jesus Christ. As we have the privilege of facing life and facing the future and doing so, knowing he is faithful, he is loving Back to David, King David, loving God. In fact, God said with all his mess ups, and he had those, this is still a man who's after my heart. That's what I want to hear God say to me with all my mess ups. Steve is still a man who's after my heart. Now, what does that mean? That means I get up every day and say, God, it's your day. I don't know what this day is going to bring. I know some things are on my calendar. I know some things that I may have to deal with. But whatever it is, I'm going to believe that you, God, are going to take everything that I encounter today and you are somehow going to use it for good. I'm going to believe so much in that that I'm not going to boast. I'm not going to get arrogant. I'm not going to be uh, foolish enough to say, here's what I'm going to do no matter what. I just believe in my heart of hearts that when those of us who truly know Christ as our personal Savior are able to walk out a life like this, it can make all the difference in the world in the lives of those around us. Just think for a second. Think for a second. If my selfish desires... And my pleasures or whatever they may be that I'm spending on my time is somehow adversely affecting someone else to keep them from the kingdom of God. Would I not want to lay that down? Would I not want to say, God, (laughs) it's yours. It's yours. I'm yours. Now do what you want to do. Work in my life the way you desire my life to be. That's my prayer. That's my prayer. Whatever it is, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to honor you. David, back to David, says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He says, even that, even to that place, I will know, I will know 
that you have me, God, and I trust you. Would you stand as we pray? Father God, we are yours. We have been purchased with that price that only you, Lord Christ, could pay. Would you, Holy Spirit, in your kindness and gentle ways, right now bring conviction on us where we have become prideful and arrogant, where we have been so determined to spend our time and our money the way we wanted to, and that's just something that's referenced here in the Scripture, that we would so absolutely surrender to you. That you would say of each of us, and that's, that's my heart, you would say of each of us, It's, it's a man, it's a woman, it's a boy, it's a girl, after my own heart. Whatever you have to do in us, Father, we thank you for doing that now. We thank you for doing that in Jesus' name. Amen.